And now it is my pleasure to have this man back on the program once again here on Miami Mic'd Up. Your Miami Heat host and reporter, your sports director for WPLG Local 10. It is good to have you back. Will Manso, thank you for uh, joining the show this morning. It's good to be back. A lot to talk about. Yes, lots to talk about. Um, And this is fun because essentially what you all are listening to right here is Will's drive time. Uh, Will Will has just dropped off his kids at school. He's headed to the gym, and we're just catching up. A couple of friends catching up about South Florida sports. Uh, so th- this should be a lot of fun. Um, but, Will, before we get into those sports, what is something outside of work, outside of sports, that has recently brought you some joy? You know, outside of sports, it's always my family. You know, hanging out and just, you know, being able to be with my kids. Halloween was fun. Just doing mm. things with the kids and enjoying that. I took my youngest ice skating the other day, which, by the way, I hadn't been ice skating since before the pandemic and ice skating is hard. Yeah. I, I forgot how, how my ankles at first I was like, maybe I'm just getting old. And then I'm like, no, no, no. It's just really hard. Yeah. Like ice skating is hard. It, uh, so yeah, that was definitely uh, that was definitely tough. I love it. That's it's funny that you mentioned that one of my favorite or I guess it's not a favorite story, but um, my fiance and I, when we were just dating back in college, um, went ice skating and she was you know, it had been a while, so she was concerned. She, you know, it was sort of like holding on to the side, whatever. And I was sort of encouraging her, like, no, let's, you know, let's skate some more. I, I, I know you can do it, whatever. And as soon as she had built up the comfort, we hear from the other side of the rink a giant yelping scream. And I look over, and a guy had just fallen, and literally his arm was like facing the opposite direction. Oh, it was awful and i was like do me a favor do not look to that side of the rink or you will never go anywhere because it was a nightmare uh but ice skating can be a lot of fun but yeah it's really really difficult and for us florida people not something that we're used to no not at all so that's that's what i chalked it up to i'm actually going again tomorrow i'm taking my youngest again to another ice skating venue so we're (laughs) gonna hit up like every ice skating venue during the holidays so by by december 25th i will be a professional yeah, we'll get you out on the ice with the Panthers. That's that's what we'll yeah, have exactly. to make happen. Yeah, <laughs> Before we get to the Panthers, let's start with uh, where our uh, bread is buttered, the Miami Heat. Um, going into tonight's game, obviously, Will, you're prepping for uh, the broadcast coming up soon. Um, but the Heat are 7-8 and eight at the moment, lost their first game here of this road trip. And we know that that defense has really been one of the bigger issues for Miami thus far, been sort of up and down. And, and seemingly the constant debate has been, are the Heat's you know, struggles due to personnel or execution or chemistry? So, well, what do you believe has been sort of the main issue for Miami that's had them just sort of up and down, not quite looking like themselves so far early in this season? Well, you just said three things, right? Three things it mm-hmm. could be. And it's funny because one of them you would think shouldn't be, and that's comfort and communication mm-hmm. given that they ran it back and this team is is obviously all knows each other yet that has been an issue you hear guys i know you hear them say in the locker room they talk about oh, our communication's a little off we just got to communicate better and you sit there and you're like well why are there communication issues for a team that ran it back that should be your strength so that's been a little discouraging early in the season but i think personnel definitely is an issue and Against Toronto, it's a little unfair because even last year where the Heat were the top seed in the East and, you know, shot for the finals, Toronto's issues. The rebounding issue they had obviously doesn't help when you turn the ball over 23 times. But I think that is a personnel issue for certain matchups. The Heat 
don't have a lot of size. And when Batman is out, that's even more evident. And given O'Mara's now, who you thought might give you some time now out for a significant chunk of action. So there are personnel issues. There truly are. And then there are scheme and just the way the effort is that I think that's been an issue as well. And the problem is every problem, right, those three categories pops up his head at certain points of the game and it costs you a game. And I think that's a big reason why Miami's off to the slow start. They've got to just kind of connect the dots again to what they do well defensively, or if not, we're going to keep having this discussion throughout the season. Yeah, connecting the dots is really actually, it feels like a good way of putting it, which is just this team, you know, all knows each other, all has played with each other. But like you just mentioned, well, you know, when we talk about the sort of comfort and communication, the thing I've been looking at is as much as they ran it back, a lot of these guys did not necessarily play on the floor at the same time together. And when you look back at at what this roster looked like at the end of last season going into the playoffs, right? You had a different starting lineup than where they were supposed to start this season, right? With Tyler in the starting lineup. Victor Oladipo was playing significant minutes. I think this team thought Omer Yurtsevin would play significant minutes early in the season. Now he's hurt. So when you look at sort of the, the personnel groupings, it does sort of explain how even when running it back, you could have some of these issues. But similar to the Panthers, who we'll get to here in a minute, it doesn't mean that the Heat haven't had some sort of standout performances here. So is there any individual player who either their development or play early in the season has caught your eye here with the Miami Heat? Honestly, the answer to me is Max and Gabe, you know, because last year those guys came on and we saw the development. And I think there was a question, though, going into this year. It's like, OK, what more can they give? Max stepped in as a starter last year, even into the playoffs. Gabe played so many games as a starter when when Kyle was out and then great performances off the bench, but you wondered what's the next step. And we were learning in this first 14 games or so, the next step for them is there is more to give. I mean, Max has put up some big time games. He had the 31 point game a couple of games ago. Gabe has been a consistent guy off the bench, double figures. It seems like in every game, hitting big threes, playing tenacious defense. So the evolution of Gabe and Max, who were such a great story last year of like, okay, wow, the Heat's developmental system is great. We know that. They've become more than just great stories. They're key contributors and reasons why this team can have success. So I would say those two guys were the the two players to me that stand out most. Yeah, I mean, the two of them have been really the joy to watch this season, right, of anybody so far because, like you said, they have turned from – cool stories of, all right, cool, they can contribute to a good team, to they'll yes. be two of the key reasons why this team wins if they win. Like, if this team is is making a run, Max and Gabe will be huge parts of the reason why, and it's, it's the development beyond, oh, you're a G League player to an NBA player. It's now... You're an NBA player to you're an important NBA player. You're the type of NBA player, who, you know, a lot of teams yeah. covet. Um, and he's yeah. it, both of those guys have really evolved. And that's been fun to see. Um, but now let's let's move over to the Florida Panthers. Um, I was at the game last night. Obviously, not not the game they were looking for, giving up four goals in the first period. So a little bit of a slower start than last year's, you know, blistering start right away. But there are different things with this team. Obviously, personnel has changed. Most power rankings still have, you know, this team is a top 10 team in the NHL, even as they haven't necessarily gotten to full form yet. 
here with the Panthers? Is there a player who has stood out for you? Similar questions so far this season in excelling with the Panthers? Because in my mind, there's there's a few different guys that, you know, we, we could highlight here as that guy, you know, stepped up when someone was injured or has outplayed what I expected early in the year. I mean, look, there are a handful of guys you could go to, but I, even doing the highlights last night and watching some of the games, seeing Matthew Kachuk oh. on the team now, and, you know, you hear so much, and I think when you make a big trade like that, you say to yourself, okay, what did we get, right? Like, is this guy that good? Is this guy, when you replace the Jonathan Huberto and what he meant to the franchise, you get a guy like that, is he, does he have the goods? You know, and mm-hmm. I think one thing we've seen early in the season is this guy can play, you know, and, and what I love about him is that he came in right away and, looked like he'd been here for five years yep. in the way he talked about his teammates and the way he dealt with the media and the way that he practiced and get on the ice, you know, last night scoring a goal. And I, I, I love watching him play because again, he's the guy that you're building around with, with Barkov as the future, you know, the present and the future for a team that you just said, look, I know that standing wise, they're not where they want to be. And I know that there's been some up and down games and the last night falling behind four, nothing. I mean, stuff like that's unacceptable, but I think you see enough to know that there really isn't panic, you know, right. there, at least there shouldn't be in my mind, panic that there's something wrong with this team. I think you got to give it a little time. Unlike the run it back talk. We talk about the heat. Yeah. When you make a significant change to a core player, it's going to take a bit. And I, and I think that's part of the growth of this team and what happens over the next couple of months. That's why it's exciting to to watch them, right, is to see like, OK, we know that this team is not the same as it was last year. There's a huge difference in playing Matthew Kachuk than, or Matthew Kachuk than Jonathan Huberto. And their style of play is different. And Kachuk, even last night, for example, you know, they're down 5-2, 5-3, and he's getting feisty with the other team, trying to motivate the team to come back, being physical, you know, stepping up and playing that way. And like you said, clearly a vocal leader right from the moment he stepped up here, which is great because Alexander Barkov is the type of guy who likes to lead by example, right? He's not much of Absolutely. a talker. Yeah. So to have kind of that one-two punch of one guy who's, you know, the feisty talker and one guy who just wants to go out there and dominate with his play it's really kind of a, a match made in heaven and for me you know just a couple guys I want to shout out before we move on to the Marlins here Brandon Montour stepping up in the stretch where Aaron Ekblad was hurt Montour played yep. unbelievable defense for the Panthers and Spencer Knight continuing to grow in goal has been really fun he has had a few yeah, games and that's this been year great to see. And, and and yeah, like you said, I mean, that's that's great to see because, again, you know, we talk about factors for these teams going forward toward postseason play and things like that when that's the expectation. Spencer Knight's the type of guy who can, you know, pitch shutouts come the postseason and, and, and clearly has that type of skill. Um, speaking of shutouts and transition over to the Marlins, Sandy Alcantara, uh, Sandy Alcantara now given the Cy Young Award uh, officially this week, um, obviously a well-deserved award, the unanimous National League Cy Young. And when you start looking at some of the names, including, you know, Clayton Kershaw and Sandy Koufax and some of these other guys who have been unanimous National League Cy Young winners, it's a pretty illustrious list. Where does Sandy now, now that he has the hardware, rank for you in terms of all-time Marlins pitchers? Oh, that's a great question. And, I mean, even before winning this, he was working his way to the top, you know, statistically and... You know, just on the impact that he has, the numbers he's putting up, and the the guy that he is as a person. I mean, clubhouse leader, community guy. He's mm-hmm. a, an incredible person. You know, and I, I know you've had the opportunity to have Ethan Sandy on the show, 
and to just deal with him in the clubhouse. Sandy's a, a unique guy. He's just such a humble guy for the skill set and for being a bulldog on the mound. You know, so to, right. when you look at his place in Marlins history, he's got to be one of the top three, four pitchers in the history of this franchise, given that he's been here a handful of years. You know, Sandy's, it's not like Sandy's been here one or two <laughs> right, years. Right. You know, Sandy has had this growth. He's a multiple time All Star, a Cy Young Award winner. He's moving up all the franchise rankings. The unfortunate thing for Sandy is, oh, you know, that he's not doing it on winning teams. Right. And that's not his fault. But when, so historically, when you look at that, yeah, you're going to bring up the Al Leiters and the Kevin Browns and the Josh Beckett's and guys like that, deservedly so. Dontrell Willis, yeah. Jose, who was so electric, even though he wasn't on championship teams, but he was electric. Sandy's right up there. And he ha- and, and the thing about Sandy is, you know, knock on wood, A, health, and B, that they keep him along and, you know, have him here long term. When it's all said and done, he could end up being the best pitcher in Marlins history. First one ever with a Cy Young, and uh, he's got bigger and better things ahead. He really does. It's fun when when they asked him, you know, it's this really cool mix with Sandy where he is this really humble and gracious guy and yet so confident um, and exudes that. And so like last uh, not last night, but when they asked him after he won the award, you know, should we expect to see something like this from you again next year? His response was, hell yeah. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, I he love is, that answer. He yeah. is, he's just and that bulldog mentality is so real. Like he really truly wants to have the ball for every single pitch of the game and oh, yeah, it's try, been try really to take fun. the ball out of his hands yeah try oh, to throw yeah. and down with try to call his hands in the eighth of the ninth yeah that, that of, doesn't the, work well <laughs> one of the greatest images of the entire season this year was when he was pitching up in st louis and uh donnie came to take him out and i believe it was the eighth inning and it was like there's no way you're taking me out of this game and i think it was you're because right. yeah. you know previously i think the game before he came out in the eighth and the marlins blew it for him so there was no way that he was coming out of that game and that's that's just the mentality that he has. But like you mentioned, right, for a team that's only been around for, you know, 30 years or so, and for a team that, you know, has had a couple of great seasons, but not a a, a ton of success as a franchise, there's a ton of great pitching. Like, you look at the top 10 oh, pitchers man. in Marlins history, you can put it up there with, with so many different franchises. So it's cool to watch Sandy work his way up. Um, and speaking of those Miami Marlins and, and even going back to St. Louis, one of the guys who, who witnessed it was Skip Schumacher, who was their bench coach at the time. Now the Miami Marlins manager, just looking for your first impressions as Skip Schumacher takes over for Don Mattingly in the Marlins clubhouse. Look, when you go young and inexperienced, and when I say inexperienced, obviously Skip has a strong resume about baseball, but as far as a manager inexperienced, you need to have the other attributes that maybe you know aren't there on paper, and those attributes are a player's guy, a guy that's not that long removed from the game, a guy that has the respect of the current generation. And one of the things we see around baseball when managers get hired, like do you go the route of a Tony La Russa or a Buck Showalter or these baseball lifers, right? Or do you go the route and get the younger managers and the guys that maybe are more relatable to players? I think the Marlins took the younger route clearly thinking that that's the next step they need. And look, Donnie was more so the old school, though Donnie had a good mix of relatable Yes. And old school. He wasn't the old curmudgeon, you know, this is the yeah. way you play the game yeah. type. Donnie, Donnie could be a little bit more in the middle. But as he even said, there was a new voice that was needed, you know. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you just need that change. And I think Skip is the kind of voice that I think can really work with young players. What he is as a manager, it's impossible to know, right? You know, he's going to have his influences and guys that he was under and and he mentioned many of those names at his at his news conference. Mm-hmm. It, it, we're not going to know what style of manager he is until he gets there and has those opportunities. 
but from a you know personable relationship communication, he laid out his strategic guidelines and what he expects, and everything he said is relatable to current players, and yep. you love to hear. Uh, you know this as well as I do, though. You're only as good as your players, right? right. You, you need the right guys. And Skip is going to have the same issues Donnie has if the Marlins don't get bats, and that's that pitching can't do it all. I mean, they're going to need hitters. It'll make Skip look a lot better if they get some <laughs> guys that can, you know, hit 30 homers and yep. knock in some runs. And I think that's the next step. But as a person, as a, you can see why they were attracted to him as a manager, mm. as the future because he has that kind of spark to him with this current generation that seems like it could work. Absolutely. I 100% agreed there, and, and you can see it already on social media. Some of the players, including Jazz Chisholm Jr., have posted positive things about Skip once he was hired. Um, you know, when, when you have that young guy, but who has also played during... You know, he he played at what was the end of the steroid era, right? But what was still a style of baseball that was not this, you know, three true outcome, home run, strikeout, you know, or walk. And so because he comes from the Cardinal way where they were doing so many of the little things, you know, you hope that theoretically he will also like, you know, you mentioned Donnie had a mix of the old school and the new school. While Skip is new school, you hope that that some of that old school stuff that he talks about will be incorporated into this team. And for a team that, you know, like you mentioned, doesn't have a ton of guys who are going to probably be hitting 30, 40 homers. You got to do some of those little things. And and, and hopefully Skip will get creative um, with the way that they're able to execute. But like you mentioned, I mean, ultimately, it comes down to the roster. Um, So we'll see what's there. But also, you know, not to plug our own podcast while we're on it. The hope is that Skip Schumacher will be a guest here in the next week or two. So looking forward to talking oh, to Skip. I'd love to hear that. would love to hear that. Yeah, I would love to hear what you have to say. Yeah. I, I, I really look forward to it. So hopefully hopefully we're coming through with that, and that's not an empty promise here for me uh, <laughs> to, to the audience and to you, Will. But now let's get to the team that has, has really been um, exciting South Florida over the last couple of months here, and that's the Miami Dolphins. Um, it has been... So fun to watch the Dolphins this season. And for me, as a, you know, as a, as a 27-year-old man who grew up in South Florida, I will say this already has been the most fun Dolphin season of my entire lifetime. Like, other than maybe the Wildcat season, um, which was just, you know, a fluke and, and fun. Yeah, you got a new coach. You got a new wide receiver. You got some new running backs in here, including a, another new running back in, in Jeff Wilson. This offense is legitimately one of, if not the best in the league right now. So, Will, what aspect of this team has surprised you the most this season? There's so many different angles we can go yeah, to. Yeah, there's a lot. By the way, to your point, we had on Channel 10, Jimmy Johnson was plugging his book last night at a book, yeah. that's book at the Miami Book Fair. Uh, and I'll plug it for Jimmy. He's got a book called Swagger that's coming out. I can't wait to read it. Me but too. Jimmy called the Dolphins offense like the it's like arena bowl. You know, it's like yeah. it's like they seem like they play in a shortened field and the, the rules are different because they've been so electric. And I can't I can't answer a question about the Dolphins, right? And not start there. Not start yep. with how quickly they have gotten comfortable with Mike McDaniel's offense. Because how often does a team hire a coach, right? And you're like, that's a defensive guy, or that's an offensive guy. And he's going to change the, the culture of that and the style of that offense or defense, whatever it may be that that coach, you know, is good at. Well, McDaniel comes in as his offensive genius and guru. How often have we seen it fall flat on its face? I mean, let's be honest. I don't want to bring up bad memories. But we've Adam seen Gage, it here. How, he every, the, <laughs> every coach he, they've ever hired. <laughs> 
Yes, he's the QB whisperer, and like nobody was whispering anything. Yeah, we were just yelling for him to get out. Where (laughs) Mike McDaniel comes in and he turns this offense into what you thought it might be, and somehow exceeds the expectations. Right? Like I don't think anyone, everybody knew that Tua could take another step. Everybody knew there was more in Tua than Brian Flores and the old regime would give him opportunities for. But I don't think anyone thought that Tua was going to be this. That Tua was going to elevate himself from the middle of the pack of quarterbacks in the NFL to literally the top tier of three or four guys. Like, to maybe eventually, but in 10 weeks, no way that anyone in their right mind thought that. And McDaniel has gotten that from Tua. Credit to Tua, obviously, because the talent and the ability has been there, but McDaniel will lock it. So to me, Jeremy, that's where you have to start, what he's done with that offense and with Tua. McDaniel is one of the coolest coaches to observe in that from the moment he came in, he said, I see what that guy does well. I see what that guy does well. I see what that guy does well. And my job is to put them in position to do what they do best, right? Not to accentuate weaknesses, not to overexpose the issues that they have, but acquire players or have players on this team where I'm putting them in position to succeed. And that sounds so simple. It sounds like what all leaders should do. It sounds like what all coaches and every, should do. And by the way, every coach says it, right? right? But not every coach does it. Right, yeah. but it's been so clear that, that Mike McDaniel has this knack to... Treat these guys like human beings on top of it, right? It's not just their 40 time. It's going, what type of personality are you? Like, how can I make you feel the most comfortable and help you succeed? And what he's done with Tua and the confidence that he's instilled in what is still a very young man um, has been so special. And, And, you know, from that point, right? This ends all of the Tua debates in your mind, right? Like, we can be done with this part oh, yeah. of it. Oh, there, there was, to me, there was never a Tua debate unless right. the debate was – all the Tua debates were silly, right? I agree. Like, can he throw the ball 70 yards? Can he who hit Tyreek Hill in stride? Like, who can? I mean, they were debates that had nothing to do with a quarterback having success. Yep. The key to Tua was always the same. Give him the opportunities to do what he does well. What does he do well? What does he do at an elite level? I mean, well, same thing we saw in college. Yep. His accurate, his timing, the way that he's able to find receivers. Yeah, if a guy's open, well, guess what? Watch game film of NFL games, right? How often when you watch high up above and you see the all 22 and you see quarterbacks, do they miss wide open guys? Yep. It happens all the time, more than people imagine. But guess what Tua is doing? He's not missing those guys. <laughs> he's finding them. He's, fi- he's hitting them in stride. He's hitting them in space. He's making throws above defenders when defenders are around that, that could, you know, that could absolutely wreck a play that he finds the, the anticipation and the timing. That's what Tua is a lead at. Never in a game. And I remember McDaniel saying this clear as day during training camp. He's like, I don't know how many plays I have drawn up where I say, hey, quarterback, drop back, get the offensive line to have perfect protection and make a 70-yard pass. Right. Like, that's not a play that exists in the NFL. That's, right. that's, that's not the way the league – that might be like some video game, but that's not the way the real world works. So to see Tua exceed and be that elite player is just so much fun. It really has been so fun, and and I love that it puts sort of those debates to rest. And, you know, it's funny because there's still people who will go, well, look at the weapons that he has. And and my my – not my flip side to that, but but when Tua has had this level of, of weaponry, whether it was at Alabama or whether it's here, 
What you just mentioned is the key. This guy executes and hits open receivers at a rate that is unbelievable. That's like Drew Brees' level of accurate and executing. And so, no, he may not ultimately have some of those Pat Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen flinging the ball 70 yards off the wrong foot on third and long But you might not ever need those if you have a player who is this consistent in executing. And as long as you have a coach running this offense and as long as you continue to bring in speed around him, I think it looks like Tua is going to be one of those great players for years to come here. And so, Will, before I let you go, last question. Expectations for this team. Four of the last seven are on the road. They're seven and three right now in first place. You got three more division games, two of which are on the road. What are your expectations for the Miami Dolphins here as we head down the second half of the season and hopefully into a playoff run? I mean, the the, the two things to me. Number one is you got to keep Tua healthy. We talk so much about mm-hmm. Tua. You got to continue to protect Tua. We've seen what this team is without him, and I don't want to see that again. No right. one wants to see that again. <laughs> so keeping Tua healthy, he's going to produce as long as he is. I think making the playoffs has to be the goal and the expectation. Like, I yep. mean, that is. I, let's say we can all agree if the Dolphins do not make the playoffs this year, it is a massive disappointment considering what they expected to do with Tyree Kill with the development of Tua and what they've now done through 10 weeks. So making the playoffs has to be the standard now and the expectation. How far they can get, you know, I get asked this all the time from fans, like, hey, can the Dolphins make a Super Bowl run? These That, that schedule you mentioned and the tough games and the road games they have will dictate because to me, this team needs to try to get a home playoff game. And Big to time. do that, you need to win the division. And the door is now open given, given the unexpected struggles of the Bills that the opportunity is there. You know what I mean? Like you yep. may just see this team be able to get a home playoff game. If, because to them make that run in the playoffs, that would be the perfect way to do it. But if you can get one playoff win, get in the playoffs, win a game, that's a great season to me. But if you could get a home game, then we could start talking Super Bowl. And I think that's what Dolphin fans are excited about, that that's legitimately a conversation we could have. And it's not crazy to have. It hasn't been the case one time in my entire life that this conversation no? has not been unrealistic. So it's cool to have it now. Pray for a home game or a game where you're on the road, but in a dome, right? Let's get let's get some of that. But Will yeah. Manso, um, thank you for doing this roundup of, of South Florida sports with me. Um, for those of you listening to this, watch Will on the broadcast tonight. Uh, 6.30 pregame show for tonight's game, tipping off just after 7 o'clock on Bally Sports Sun, Heat and Wizards. Will Manso, thank you again for joining me on Miami Mic'd Up. Always my pleasure. Thank you for listening to Bally Sports Florida's Miami Mic'd Up with me, Jeremy Taché. And a special thank you to our national sponsor in Southeast Toyota. Visit your local Toyota dealers or toyota.com today and take advantage of the amazing deals on their full line of vehicles. No matter your destination, Toyota goes with you. Toyota, let's go places.